Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's business time, baby. The Solo Monster sounds off. My client. Mama Monster. Conquered the street. This doesn't make any sense. Your title belt is made of leather. You're not a real vegan. You haven't been beat up properly. Woo! Welcome to episode 539 of the Solomonster Sounds Off here for Sunday, March 18, 2018. I am the Solomonster. I have started a new show on Netflix. Well, it's not my show, but I've... Started watching a show. Believe me, if I had a new show on Netflix, you'd be the first to know. But it's a show called Dark. And this one is a mix. It's kind of a mix of a thriller, horror, sci-fi. It's got all those different elements to it. It's in German. I put the English dub on just to amuse myself. And I, I turned it off after about 30 seconds. It was just, it was so awful. So I put the English subtitles on. Like I've said before, just go with the subtitles and just stick to the native dubs, whatever language it is. It's far better that way. But yeah, no, if you're looking for a uh, recommendation on a new show, Dark, if you're uh, into that sort of thing, is a really good show. I'm only about three episodes deep. But yeah, between this and and Narcos and Money Heist, remember I talked about Money Heist in Spanish? These foreign shows, man, they're great. They're great. I feel like I've turned on America. I'm like the uh, Sergeant Slaughter of Netflix here. Uh, Thank you to Audible, our great partners at Audible.com, for offering our listeners a 30-day trial of their service and a free audiobook when they sign up for that trial using our link, audibletrial.com slash Solomonster. Get yourself one month free sampling the Audible service, and in that time, you can cash in on one free audiobook exclusively as part of your trial, even if you cancel If you don't want to be billed, you don't want to continue on beyond the 30 days with the Audible service, you get to keep that book no matter what. You can write your initials in it, which is hard to do because it's an audio book, but you get the picture. So audibletrial.com slash Solomonster, jump on that. And thank you to everybody who made a donation this week. I appreciate the hell out of each and every one of you. As you know, the Solomonster.com is the place to go. You'll see the PayPal button on the right-hand side of the page. $10 or more will get you a wrestling nickname and a shout-out. Thank you to Chuck Lunatic Lentz. Always love hearing from the lunatic. John Luce Cannon Lopez, who's also a lunatic. He donates every week, but he's a lunatic in a good way. Thank you to him and to Deadpool James Herrera. Out of Control Cody Thomas, the Florida Freebird Brian Becerra, Beast Mode Brock Joseph, Raymond the Mountie Medina, Massgrave Micah Harshaw, Luis Hercules Hernandez, Ryan the Dagger McTaggart, Robert Law and Order Laurie, Velvet Revolver Robert Murray, The Show Off Corey Van Dam, The Dirty One Gabriel Sanchez, The Chicago Slayer Willie Eichard, The Malaysian Mastermind Samuel T, Gabriel the San Diego Beer Snob Solis, we have the Renton Road Warrior Taylor Shat, Dark Sky Dixon Krasinski, Erasmo Switchblade Solis, Ryan the Rebel Landrum, Jonathan Gears of War Gonzalez, Oscar the Ufman Fernandez, 
the maniac medic, W.S. Fletcher, who wants to remind everybody of the importance of maintaining your health. Get that annual physical. Early detection is so important for so many different things. You only know if you pay attention. So that's some sage advice there from the Maniac Medic. And also thank you to Angelo Big Boy Balada for your uh, donation this week as well. Again, thank you to everybody who contributes uh, whatever whatever it is that they contribute. And some of you go above and beyond, and I can't thank you enough for that. Uh, WrestleMania is only a few weeks away. In fact, I think from today, is it uh, was it three weeks? I believe it might be three weeks from today. And we are getting ready for our New Orleans meetup, Pat O'Brien's on Bourbon Street, WrestleMania Sunday, April 8th, beginning at 11 a.m. We'll be at Pat O's for a few hours before everybody heads over to the Superdome for WrestleMania. Uh, Last I checked, we have our uh, Facebook invite, which you can RSVP right now on Facebook. The invite is up on the fan page. Uh, I do share the link on Twitter periodically. Uh, It's not mandatory that you uh, RSVP or else I'm going to block you from coming in, but... Uh, it gives me a sense of headcount. Last I checked, we were in that 90 to 100 range. I know I've had a few people email me and say, I can't RSVP, I'm not on Facebook, but I'll be there. So yeah, we're in that 90 to 100 range already, and we still have three weeks left to go, so I'm expecting to see a lot of you there. Uh, I'm looking forward to that a lot. Uh, so that's coming up in the next uh, few weeks. Hop on Facebook if you haven't already done so, and RSVP there. Fastlane. I did not do a Fastlane review last week. First pay-per-view I have not reviewed on YouTube in, I don't even know how long, maybe a year or more. Uh, I've told you guys there are things going on. I just wasn't around. Uh, I had other business to tend to that was more important. So I did eventually see Fastlane. Uh, I got to say, you know, a largely forgettable show. They used it to set things up for WrestleMania. It was a setup show. It was always designed to be a setup show. Um... And really nothing more. I mean, I really like the Nakamura-Rusev match that opened the show. I think they benefited from opening the show. Had a hot crowd. But the match was really good. I I enjoyed that. That might have been my second favorite match of the night behind the main event. I thought the Usos New Day thing was a total disappointment. Uh, Clearly, it was just a setup for the whole Bludgeon Brothers beatdown. And it was, you know, by WWE beatdown standards, uh, you know, pretty intense. I mean, they beat the hell out of these guys. So it was just... The match itself was really just designed to be one big angle. Uh, if people went into it, as I kind of did, hoping that we would see something along the lines of those classic matches they had last year, uh, I think you were left disappointed by that. But I thought the six-pack challenge was the best thing on the entire show, uh, which it should have been given the talent that was involved. Sami Zayn did lay down for Kevin Owens in the main event, only to betray him. Again, I'm left scratching my head <laughs> thinking this would have been far more impactful had they not already blown the turn on TV five days earlier. As obvious as it was anyway going into the show, why they did that five days before, I just I still can't come up with a good answer for that. Uh, so yeah, overall, just a largely forgettable show with a couple of good matches, and, and that's it. Nothing more, nothing less. I mean, 3,600 people voted in our Twitter poll, 67% thumbs up. So you guys seem to enjoy the show. Um, but uh, I don't really have a whole lot else to say about Fastlane, so I won't, and instead I'll talk about WrestleMania 35, because that was the big announcement on Friday, WrestleMania 35, it was made official, is coming to MetLife Stadium in New Jersey, six years after the last WrestleMania to come to MetLife Stadium, they're bringing WrestleMania back to the Garden State to do it all over again, Sunday, April 7th, 2019 is the official date, The Hall of Fame 
NXT TakeOver, Monday Night Raw, and SmackDown Live. That week will all take place at the Barclays Center here in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, Madison Square Garden gets the shaft. Actually, they just had a show at MSG on Friday night. They had uh, John Cena and Nikki Bella against Elias and Sonya Deville. It was going to be Elias and Bailey, and I guess uh, plans changed, so it turned out to be Elias and Sonya Deville. I wasn't there, I just read the results, but I thought that was kind of an interesting match. So it's not like they don't go to the Garden, they just, really, they only come to the Garden at this point two, three times a year for, for a big house show, and that's it. So that tells you right there, I, I think it's a combination of the relationship they have now with Barclays, but... You know, the things that you always hear about Madison Square Garden is it's very expensive to run television in Madison Square Garden. And I don't know if it has something to do with union workers. I've heard varying things over the years about why it's so expensive to run at MSG as opposed to Brooklyn or somewhere else in the area. Uh, but it's got to be a cost issue. I mean, look, they, they've cut back on pyro and other things, so they must think it's just not worth their while to run big TV shows there anymore. House shows are one thing. TV, I guess, is just too... Uh, pricey for them so it's it's very weird that they're coming back for wrestlemania and for them not to do a show at madison square garden is is kind of shocking um this is the eighth time that wrestlemania is emanating from the new york new jersey area so wrestlemania one part of wrestlemania two which was actually out on long island wrestlemania's four and five back to back were in jersey uh, WrestleMania 10, WrestleMania 20, WrestleMania 29, which was at MetLife, and now coming back for 35. So that's a lot of local WrestleManias here. And uh, shockingly, I've only been to one of them so far, which was the last one, which wasn't very good. No word yet on Fat Access uh, when that might take place. That was the one thing that was not part of the announcement. In the past, they've typically announced as part of the announcement where Access would be, and it was interesting they did not do that this time. Uh, because there were a lot of people who bitched the last time when they used the IZOD Center, which is just you know, a regular sports arena. They didn't use a convention center or a hall of some kind. They used IZOD for access, and apparently it was just one giant clusterfuck. People were not happy with it. Uh, it was too small. They said the building wasn't really designed for an event like that. Well, the IZOD Center, you'll be happy to know, is no more. And they've got to find, I think, a convention center type place to do it. Uh, I saw Mike Johnson on PW Insider suggest the Jacob Javits Center in Manhattan, which I think would be the perfect location for fan access. They do a lot of those Comic-Con type events there. Uh, it's in Manhattan, easily accessible by public transportation. If you live here or if you're coming into town for the show, uh, you could easily get to the Javits Center. So I don't know if that's uh, the plan. Uh, they haven't announced it yet, but I think uh, I think Mike hit the nail on the head. I think that would be a great, uh, you know, easy solution to that uh to that whole situation. And I was also thinking, you know, if they don't put Bam Bam Bigelow in the Hall of Fame this year, uh, which was the rumor, you know, and a lot of what that guy Brad Shepard had leaked a few months ago as far as the Hall of Fame class has come true. You know, he mentioned names like Goldberg and Ivory and uh, I think the Dudleys, and they're all going into the Hall of Fame. The one name that he had mentioned that has not yet been announced, and it could happen, it could happen as early as uh, this week, uh, is Bam Bam Bigelow. His name was on the list. His name has not yet been mentioned. If for some reason he got bumped, you know, because we, we know Jeff Jarrett is going in, they've announced people who were not on that original list, maybe maybe Bam Bam got bumped. If that's the case, next year would be the perfect time to put him in. Him being uh, from Asbury Park, he's an Asbury Park guy, uh, with Mania coming to New Jersey, I would think next year would be as good a time as any to put Bam Bam in the Hall of Fame. 
think he uh, I think he would deserve that recognition. Now, you always run the risk of bad weather when you run an outdoor venue in the Northeast in April. I see a lot of people complaining about that. Oh, why are they doing this in New York in April? It's going to be cold. It's going to snow. It's mid- Look, it's mid-March now, and it's still cold as hell here in New York. I mean, I am, I am sick to death of this weather. I'm so done with winter. Uh, it, but here's the thing. It's so wild because one day you can have a day that's literally 60 degrees outside. 60 sunny just mild, nice, and then the next day it's back down to 30 with a wind chill of 20 and 4 inches of snow on the ground. Now, when they ran MetLife in 2013, I was there. It rained a little bit at the beginning of the show. It was, you know, it was cool out. I wouldn't say it was frigid. You know, I mean, uh, you know, man up, for God's sakes. I mean, it wasn't that bad. But yeah, it was it was chilly. It rained a little bit. Then the rain tapered off. And, you know, the I wish the show itself was better. I think that's why a lot of people were so cranky. It wasn't just that they were cold, it's that the event sucked. You know, aside from that Undertaker-CM Punk match, it's the only thing I remember of any value uh, from that show. But, you know, had people gotten a better show, maybe they would have been in a better mood. But yeah, you do run the risk of uh, of having bad weather. And if that's something that bothers you and you're thinking of paying all this money to fly in for WrestleMania, you need to be aware of that. It's outdoors in the Northeast in April. Shit happens. So, come prepared. Bring a jacket. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Now, WrestleMania 29, for all the, the horrible things that I've said about this show in the past, and I thought the main event was no good, and I just, you know, Triple H and Brock Lesnar, I don't know what the hell they did. I mean, I guess I know why they did it, but whatever. But they had a really cool stage. You know, a cool stage set up for that show, the Brooklyn Bridge. Uh, especially when you're there live and you're able to see these things in person. It's just, you know, they talk about larger than life. And they they go all out with their WrestleMania sets more often than not. You know, some years it's more generic. And other years, like last year, for God's sakes. I mean, they spent, what, $5 million on that set last year with the roller coaster in Orlando. 80 yards. I mean, that was a bit much, I think, the length of, of that rampway. But that was the greatest stage setup for any WWE event they've ever done, let alone a WrestleMania. That was, I mean, that stage was gorgeous last year. And, you know, they put a lot of effort, a lot of money into it, which is probably why we don't have Pyro anymore, because all the money went to the WrestleMania stage last year. But, you know, so we know they can go above and beyond when it comes to that kind of stuff. But the reason I bring this up is, you know, it was interesting having a show in New Jersey. And they have the Brooklyn Bridge for a set. And they have the Statue of Liberty above the ring. It's like, 
it's like wanting to date the hottest girl in class, but getting her sloppy sister instead. You just can't get the other girl out of your head. That's always what this whole New York, New Jersey thing reminds me of with WWE. Hopefully next year's show uh, is uh, is better than uh, than 29 was. And New Jersey is not my idea of getting away from New York. I've said before, the thing I like about WrestleMania, like when I go, is it gets me out of New York. Right? I, get the, I get the hell out of here for a few days, a week, whatever it is. I get to go to places and cities I've never been to before. You know, my first time in Miami, my first time in uh, anywhere in Texas, California, New Orleans, uh, all came on these WrestleMania trips. So I am, you know, a little underwhelmed when I find out that WrestleMania is coming to uh, New Jersey. New Jersey is not my idea of a getaway from New York. But on the plus side... We could probably put together a pretty sick sound-off meetup somewhere in the city, so that's something to look forward to. Now, the rumor online is that with WrestleMania coming to the metro area next year, SummerSlam is going to be moving out of Brooklyn. They've been in Brooklyn now for, what, three, four years straight? The rumor is that they're going to be moving out of Brooklyn and possibly into an outdoor, open-air Major League Baseball stadium. Much like the Royal Rumble. Royal Rumble next year is at Chase Field in uh, Phoenix. And they may be doing something similar with SummerSlam. That's the rumor I've seen going around online here this week. If that happens, it would be easily the biggest SummerSlam crowd since the Wembley Stadium show in 1992. Uh, SummerSlam at Citi Field, I think, would work if they wanted to keep the event here in New York. uh, So long as the Mets aren't playing there that night. Otherwise, if you want to just get out of New York... Uh, they could try Fenway Park in Boston. I've had uh, see some of you have suggested uh, what about Fenway as a destination for a wrestling show. I think that would be kind of cool. Uh, one of the great baseball stadiums in the country, and I've heard raves about it. I've not been there, but Petco Park in San Diego is a stadium that is highly rated. Uh, gets a lot of positive feedback. I hear is really nice. I, I think that would be a good choice too. And you can't beat the weather out there. San Diego probably has some of the best weather in the country. I think that stadium fits about 40,000 people or so. So it's not too big, but it's big enough, I think, to make SummerSlam feel like a big deal. So why not? Why not? Pick a Sunday when the Padres are on the road. I mean, hell, pick a Sunday when the Padres are at home. I doubt the fans would even notice. They'd probably be grateful. Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy, who was weeks, maybe even days, away from being cleared to return to WWE from rotator cuff surgery that has kept him out since uh, about September, October. And who has, by all accounts, kept his nose clean now and out of trouble for a very long time after his history of substance abuse issues. Jeff Hardy was arrested at 10.20 p.m. on March 10th, so a little over a week ago. He is now slated to appear in Cabarrus County Court on April 16th. He has had his driver's license revoked. For at least 30 days as a result of this DWI arrest. And the accident reports, uh, or the accident report rather, states that Hardy was driving northbound on Concord Parkway when he allegedly ran off the roadway, striking over 100 feet of guardrail before the back end of his car spun out 90 degrees, coming to a rest in the middle of the right northbound lane of travel. And it was estimated by police that Hardy caused about $8,000 in damage to his 2016 Cadillac and $5,000 of damage to the guardrail itself. 
And the report also states that Hardy registered a .25 blood alcohol level on his breathalyzer. The limit in North Carolina is .08%. So that means that Jeff Hardy blew three times the legal limit. Actually, I think more, more than three times uh, the legal limit, which is not good. WWE put a statement out saying, Jeff Hardy is responsible for his own personal actions. We are investigating the matter and awaiting information from local law enforcement officials. Which sounds very similar to the statement they put out for Jey Uso when they said Joshua Fatu is responsible for his own personal actions. We are investigating the matter and awaiting information from local law enforcement officials. So they've got their boilerplate statement. As we say in PR, you've got your boilerplate that they sort of just uh, insert name here. And uh, they spit their statement out. And I don't think there was any uh, repercussions coming out of the Jey Uso thing, at least not from the company. Um, I don't know if Jey Uso had to, uh, on his own, pay a fine or you know do community service or uh, what his situation was. But as far as anybody knows, the company did not punish him. He was not suspended. Uh, and it certainly did not derail the push that he and his brother were, were getting, which is good because I think the Usos are, you know, it would be, the tag team thing is so... It's so weird, I think, if you're a tag team wrestler, because you could be a model employee. Not a scratch, not a blemish on your record. You do the right thing, you show up to work, you keep your nose clean. Your partner goes and does something he shouldn't be doing, and it screws it up for the entire team. We've seen this before. So, you know, I'm not aware of Jey Uso having other DWI infractions before. I'm not aware of him being a problem or this being a recurring issue uh, hopefully it was resolved uh, on its own, and he won't do that again. And, you know, it, it's a good thing it didn't affect his brother, because that would be pretty shitty, I think, for Jimmy. In the case of Jeff, you know, Matt is doing his own thing. Uh, certainly since Jeff had to have the surgery, he went away, and WWE decided to pursue the whole Woke and Matt Hardy thing. He's doing his own thing. And whatever happens with Jeff should not blow back uh, on Matt. And Rebby Hardy certainly feels that way because she was very vocal on social media. People were asking questions and tweeting her things about what Jeff did affecting Matt. And Rebby did not mince words. Uh, there was a fan on Instagram who said, Brother Nero is needed for the ultimate deletion match that's airing on Raw tomorrow night. And Rebby disagreed. She said, Matt has busted his ass to get to this point. He and I have been fighting now for this to happen for nearly a year. After the hard work and over $50,000 in legal fees that we paid, I'm not going to say, or rather, I'm going to say no. He is not needed. Jeff is clearly doing his own thing, and it has nothing to do with us right now. And then on Twitter, she continued, she said, I have every right to be irritated about dumb shit that affects my family and don't need judgment for it. Does not mean we aren't supportive we don't have to agree with irresponsible behavior or be joined at the hip in every professional venture to support members of our family. So yeah, she's pissed and wants to make absolutely sure that Jeff's fuck up does not mess with anything that her husband is doing, which is understandable. You know, she knows how hard that Matt has worked to get this chance to do this gimmick and play this role in WWE. All the shit they had to go through with Anthem and and even up to this point, you know, they've been back in WWE now for about a year. People have been begging, begging for broken Matt Hardy and all the members of the broken universe. And, you know, why are they not doing anything with him? And so it's all built to this point, finally. It's built to this match that they're doing on TV tomorrow night. And so it's understandable that, you know, Rebby does not want this to, in any way, 
screw things up for her husband and her family. Jeff needs to take responsibility for his own mistakes. His brother, who who's had his own issues and has seemingly gotten his life together, he does not deserve to be collateral damage every time his brother screws up. You know, Je- Jeff's got two young daughters. He's 40 years old. Get your shit together, for crying out loud. This time it was a guardrail. Next time it may be another car that he hits. You know, and I said this years ago, when Matt got arrested for his second DWI in a month, and he claimed he was framed for it. I was framed, he said. The guy thought he was fucking Roger Rabbit. I said it then, I have no sympathy for anyone who gets behind the wheel of a car and puts other people's lives in danger. One time is a mistake. Everybody is entitled to one mistake. Twice in a month, which is what happened with Matt back then, that makes you a danger to society. Matt got his life in order. Hopefully Jeff can do the same. Rey Mysterio has signed, but not with WWE. Rey Mysterio has signed with the new Arrow Lucha promotion as both a co-owner and a performer. Uh, this was the uh, the news that broke in the Tennessee. And this is the company that was co-founded by that lovely pair of Ron and Don Harris. Uh, and who also brought Vince Russo on as a script consultant for one of their shows back in December. Uh, not a very uh, not very enthusiastic starting out with names like that, I wouldn't think. But uh, they had some success with their first few test shows. And now, according to their CEO, Jason Brown, they are setting out to be the world's first fan-owned Lucha Libre sports and entertainment company. They hope to start taping their first season of TV in June. They have started a crowdfunding campaign that allows fans to invest in the company and effectively, you know, have a minority stake in the company. Uh, the crowdfunding page says, Rey Mysterio and Conan are uh, two men who own shares of our company and are two of the most iconic names in the wrestling industry. We are offering 57 million Hispanic and Latino people in the world, uh, or in the United States, a Lucha Libre product. <laughs> Obviously, there's more than 57 million uh, Hispanic people in the world. So, uh, here in the U.S., Offering them the chance to invest in a Lucha Libre product they can call their own for the first time in history. And, you know, look, a crowdfunding campaign is one way to bring in money to help fund your project. Uh, If you would like to invest, the crowdfunding page is up. It's wefunder.com slash arrowlucha. So far, they've raised $843 of what is a minimum goal they've set of $50,000. Uh, anywhere from fifty thousand to one million dollars. That's the range they've set. Is that that's a pretty big range, by the way, to go from fifty k to a million. But that's the range that they've set as their goal for this campaign. Uh, it's only been up for a few days, so it's way too early to judge how successful this campaign will be. Again, only eight hundred and forty three dollars so far. Uh, they would not be the first promotion though to use crowdfunding as a way to get off the ground, and it brings back bad memories of Jeff Katz. Remember that name, Jeff Katz, and his wrestling retribution project? This goes back about six, seven years. Um, He had this revolutionary idea for a new wrestling... I don't know if it was a promotion. I think it was designed they were going to tape a season and then they were going to stream it on VOD and DVD and offer it that way. I don't think they were looking for a TV deal. But it was this whole thing and it's this revolutionary concept and he tried, he raised money for it. Uh, now, granted, he didn't have Conan and Rey Mysterio as co-owners, but he started a Kickstarter campaign with the goal of, of raising $100,000 for this revolutionary new wrestling project of his. 
Uh, he even used the word revolution in the title. It was originally called Wrestling Revolution Project. Eventually, he changed it to Retribution Project. And he was able to meet that $100,000 goal in one month. So laugh all you want to, but it is possible to raise that kind of money if you can find the right people. He did it in a month. Now, I don't know if that was all small donations. I don't know if somebody stepped up and just one person made that kind of donation who had the dough. I don't know, but he raised it. And then they taped 13 weeks worth of content, which is one full season. He got a lot of indie talent on the show, a lot of ex-WWE talent to work the show. And then after taping all that TV, nothing. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Nothing. A whole lot of nothing. People felt conned out of their money. They wanted their money back. Um, but the thing is, like, and I'm not minimizing the sort of the con man aspect of what happened there. I'd be pissed too, but that's the risk you run when you invest in a crowdfunding campaign. There's never any guarantee that it's going to work out. Somebody comes to you, you know, with this great concept and this great idea and they ask you to kindly donate. They want you to feel as though you're invested in it and part of this big thing that they're trying to build, but there's never any guarantee of success. Nothing is ever guaranteed. It, it was still very slimy and sleazy, I think, what that guy did. He kept people in the dark for so long with no updates. People were wondering, what the hell? Where's my money going? Um, I just, you know, hopefully people understand that before they invest in Arrow Lucha. And I'm not telling you to invest or not to invest. I'm just saying just be, you know, cautious when it comes to stuff like this. Or any other upstart company. Not just Arrow Lucha, but anybody else who starts a crowdfunding campaign and says, hey... You know, I've got this great idea, you know, hey, give me money, and then just, you know, disappears. Or, you know, well, we fell short of our goal, we, you know, we tried, we gave it the old college try, and then people get upset because they feel they were cheated, you know, out of their money. I don't think all of these crowdfunding services work the same way. I know some of them, if you don't hit your goal, I think everybody gets their money back. That's not how all of them work. I don't know what this WeFunder I'm not familiar with, um... But hopefully, uh, you know, look, hopefully these guys have the right business plan and they do right by the people who invest in their project. Uh, and since their aim is to get television here in the United States and they are positioning Rey Mysterio as their lead star, I assume that brings an end to any negotiations that he may have been having with WWE. Uh, because it's one thing for someone like Chris Jericho to wrestle for New Japan on a show here or a show there. Because it's it's New Japan, right? I mean, he went to Japan, he wrestled on the Wrestle Kingdom card, and you know, yeah, that streamed on their on their service, and then Access Television a week or two later started airing footage from the show on a delay. But it's not like New Japan is based in the U.S. It's not like New Japan has a 
has itself a major television deal here in the U.S. So that's a different situation altogether. This here, this is more than just a one-off in another country. I cannot see WWE doing anything with Rey Mysterio so long as he's the feature star for another promotion on television, assuming they get television, in this country. So if they get TV in this country the way they're aiming to, uh, believe me, he he ain't going to be on WWE television while he's on television for another company. So I have to assume that for the time being, that pretty much ends whatever uh, dialogue may have been happening between those two sides. Uh, Raw this past Monday night, there were some things that happened, so I want to talk about them. Uh, Kid Rock was officially announced for the WWE Hall of Fame last Monday. They put a big video package together. They acknowledged him as having a 20-year-long history with WWE. Uh, I'm surprised that in the video they spent as much time as they did focusing on uh, American Badass Undertaker. He, I mean, that persona has been persona non grata on television now for years, Supposedly, Vince McMahon just didn't, never wanted to acknowledge it. He wasn't a fan of that character. He's very, you know, protective of the whole dead man thing. And, I mean, Vince was given that character the macho man <laughs> treatment on television for years. I mean, no problem putting him on the network and showing old American badass matches on DVD and stuff like that. But it was never mentioned once in the build-up to the Triple H Undertaker match at WrestleMania 27 that they had already had a WrestleMania match 10 years earlier. Uh, so it was very surprising to see as much emphasis on it here as they had. And so with Kid Rock being the celebrity inductee, the 2018 Hall of Fame class so far looks like this. Bill Goldberg, Jeff Jarrett, the Dudley Boys, Hillbilly Jim, Ivory, and Kid Rock. What a motley crew of talent that is. <laughs> wow. Wow. I, I, get, I get a lot of, uh, I get the country vibe. I get the country vibe here from uh, this year's Hall of Fame between Hillbilly Jim and Kid Rock and... I don't know, Jeff Jarrett, there's, there's sort of a, a common theme here to the uh, Hall of Fame class this year. I will say that is the most underwhelming Hall of Fame class that they have had in years. Uh, now, maybe they'll add Bam Bam Bigelow. Like I was saying earlier, he was one of the rumored names that was on the short list originally. And, you know, looking at the list here, they don't have any... Uh, they usually put in, I think, like a posthumous inductee, so someone who's passed away. Bam Bam would fit that bill. Uh, he might yet still be announced, but that's the way the Hall of Fame looks for now. And on the subject of The Undertaker, that dovetails nicely into the John Cena segment. John Cena was on TV coming out of Fastlane. He was unsuccessful in his bid to become WWE Champion for a 17th time. He was dejected. He was a man without a match for WrestleMania. And so he came out on TV this week and he tried to make us believe that he was going to WrestleMania as one of us. He was going to go to WrestleMania as a fan this year. He already dresses like one, so it really wouldn't be all that much of a stretch. He jumped into the crowd. He was, you know, buddying up to some of the fans. He went out of his way to mention Roman Reigns, and they all booed. He seemed to get some uh, kind of sick pleasure out of that. So then all of a sudden, he changed his mind. And he said, you know what? I'm going to do what I wasn't supposed to come out here and do. I'm going to challenge The Undertaker. To a match at WrestleMania. He called Undertaker an egomaniac who disappears for a year when he fails. That's right. That's right. And he kicks people in the dick, too. Should have pointed that out. He said he can't use the excuse that he's washed up because he's always posting workout photos on his wife's Instagram. 
Uh, I thought this was really good. When Cena got serious, he was being very sarcastic. You wanted to, like, smack him in the face. Sarcastic. But he got serious. And he was, you know, throwing shade at The Undertaker. And everybody was reacting to all his big lines. I thought this was good. This was a really good promo. But it warrants a response from Mark Calloway. Not the dead man. It requires a response from... Call him Mark Calloway, call him Big Evil, call him the American Badass, call him whatever you want. This does not warrant a response from Dead Man Undertaker. We need him to come out and to speak like a normal human being. Not just grunting and rolling his eyes back in his head. If they're going to do this, then do it right. Have him play the role of washed up vet looking for one last WrestleMania win before he rides off into the sunset. Because that's already the story they're telling. Right? And this is what I pitched last year. I pitched this before the Roman Reigns match. That they let him come out and cut a promo like a normal human being. And instead, we got more of the same. Cena called him a battered vet with a bad hip last year. He should be pissed off about that. He should not let this go unanswered. He should not... You know, be absent from television until WrestleMania like they did with Bray Wyatt a few years ago. Undertaker didn't make a single appearance on TV in the build-up to WrestleMania. I think that would be a mistake. If he's on the card, he should be on TV. And, you know, with Kid Rock already being in the house, a lot of you have already said this. I think the same thing. Wouldn't be very difficult to have him play Undertaker down to the ring, you know, down on his motorcycle for one last ride. So it just feels to me like the most, uh, I don't know, it just it feels to me like the greatest chance for him to play that character one more time or just be himself is this year. And we say this every year where it looks like or it feels like the end of The Undertaker. Look, I've given up. I, I officially give up trying to guess when The Undertaker will wrestle his last match. I don't care. When, when he's tired of making money, he'll stop. Uh, but the one thing I hope they don't do is... Have him come out with the hat and the trench coat and the usual Undertaker garb. I think they could still sort of preserve that ending from last year's show by, you know, letting that be the last time we see Undertaker wearing that gear. And like I said, have him come out. And we know that the Undertaker can come out and he can go, you know, face to face with somebody and, and, and you know, jaw jack with them back and forth. He used to do that all the time. Oh, this is my yard. Remember that? We all remember that version of the Undertaker. That version of the Undertaker... I think in a lot of ways is underrated. I was as happy as anybody when he finally went back to the dead man gimmick in 2004 because I missed it. Uh, but it's one of those things I think where that whole 2001 to 2003 period of Undertaker and and the character he was portraying as the years have gone on, I've gained a newfound appreciation for it. And I kind of miss it. And since he's coming back... Since it's, it's official, he, he is coming back, you may as well, you know, do it the right way, have him come out, and play the, the rocky sort of, you know, washed up vet underdog role. Everybody in the world is going to want to see him get one last win. I don't think anybody is going to want to see him lose to John Cena. So they can, you know, get the crowd behind him, make him this sympathetic character. But he's got to come out and defend himself. As good as the Cena promo was, the one thing about this program that I think could end up being the best thing about it isn't the match itself. I don't have high hopes for that at all. It's the build-up to it. So you may as well do it the right way and go all out. 
But I definitely think not having him on TV, if that is the plan, and I don't know if it is, that would be a terrible mistake. Uh, Brock Lesnar, once again, no-showed on the show on Monday Night. Roman Reigns called Brock uh, (laughs) Vince McMahon's boy. (laughs) Oh, my God. You know, I I watched that and I thought, they ought to give Roman his own comedy special on Netflix for that line. I just watched Chris Rock's uh, tambourine special on Netflix. The hell with that. With material like this, with lines like this, give Roman Reigns his own comedy special. Because I laugh my ass off when they actually scripted Roman Reigns, of all people, to call somebody else Vince McMahon's boy. That takes balls. I gotta say, that takes balls. But they, look, they played it up like Roman felt he was severely disrespected. Brock didn't show up. He didn't get punished. Vince McMahon didn't do anything. Vince McMahon is disrespecting him by not, you know, talking to him or punishing Brock. And so I'm not going to let Vince disrespect me like that. And he goes to the back. You know, he had come out to confront Kurt Angle. He leaves the ring. He goes to the gorilla position. In the back. And there we see Vince McMahon... Sitting with his headset on, and next to Vince is the SmackDown commissioner, Shane McMahon, backstage at Raw. Brand split be damned. So Vince orders Kevin Dunn to to build a dam, I mean, go to commercial. Uh, Coming out, then, they have this closed-door meeting. Coming out of the closed-door meeting, uh, or make-out session, or whatever it was, with Roman. Roman leaves. Vince goes over to Renee Young and tells Renee that he has temporarily suspended Roman Reigns, which got loud cheers from the crowd. Well, you know, look, you had to see that one coming. That and the big babyface reaction that Brock Lesnar is sure to receive when he eventually does show back up on TV, uh, possibly as early as tomorrow night, uh, he'll still be cheered. I mean, you know he will. But they're trying. They are trying. What else is there to say? You know who Vince should have suspended? He should have suspended this John Bravo guy for wasting everybody's time. I may as well talk about that real quick. What what have I been saying now for weeks on this podcast about this John Bravo character? Shit or get off the pot. Enough with all of the teases. Stop buying into this guy's bullshit. Stop building this guy up to be something he's not. He is not some great journalist. He is a guy on YouTube. That's like me calling myself the Walter Cronkite of professional wrestling podcasters. I have never called myself a journalist. I took journalism. I majored in journalism in college until I decided to go down a different path. I I work with journalists every day with my everyday job. But I am not a journalist. I am no more a journalist than Bobby Heenan was a broadcast journalist, as he would call himself on TV uh, with Gorilla Monsoon uh, quite often. He would call himself, I'm a broadcast journalist. And then Gorilla would say, well, then go go investigate something. And he would say, I'm needed here. That That's the level of journalist that John Bravo is. And so this guy, to, hey, to his credit, he built this thing up. I've got this big 25-minute video I'm putting together, this big expose. And it was all centered, all the teases were centered around Roman Reigns. And there were other WWE personalities who are, who are sort of uh, implicated in this. You know, I saw... Brock Lesnar was featured, Steve Austin, or or Austin with a Y, since apparently it's difficult to spell the name of maybe the most popular, most famous pro wrestler, uh, certainly in this country. Uh, I guess that's a difficult thing to do. But Roman Reigns, he was the linchpin of this whole thing. 
right? Got got evidence. We got text messages and receipts. And Roman, he bought from this guy, Richard Rodriguez, and this is going to be his downfall. Everybody was building this up to be some, And I just laughed. I just laughed. You know, people thought, I, oh, you're being awfully, uh, you know, like like you're being... You're being mean whenever you talk about this John Bravo guy. You don't seem to like him. No, I never bought into his bullshit. And everybody built him, built this guy up to be something that he never was. I mean, all I was hearing about all week was this vid countdown. Countdown to Friday. Countdown to this video. Friday's going to be D-Day. And then I left. When everybody got all, got all whipped up into a frenzy, <clears throat> only for Friday to come and go, with absolutely nothing to show for it. No evidence at all implicating Roman Reigns, uh, or anybody else of any real note. And, you know, people were wetting themselves at the thought of Roman Reigns. They had convinced themselves that somehow this was going to be bad and this was going to blow back on Roman Reigns, or maybe just maybe he'd even be booted from the main event of WrestleMania. And I just sat here shaking my head. And I said last week, I threw my hands up in the air on the podcast a week ago, and I said, I don't even care. I don't even, if this guy pulls a rabbit out of his ass and actually had something, I don't care. What difference does it make? Right? Roman Reigns bought uh, three things from this guy two years ago. Who cares? But this was built up as this big thing. And I watched the video when it came out. I watched it, and I laughed, and I laughed, and I laughed. And I laughed some more. And he claims, he claims that the only reason there was no evidence linking Roman Reigns to this Richard Rodriguez guy in the video here is because he simply, he could not cross-reference any of this supposed proof he has without another device that he needs access to that currently, unfortunately, is in the possession of the DEA. Yet, he had no problem hyping this video up for weeks like the release of some feature film. All this hype amounting to nothing but disappointment. He is the M. Night Shyamalan of YouTube. So, he knew this going in. He had all this time to prepare this video, but all of a sudden, wait a minute, I, I, I was unable to gain access to the device I needed. And so now, with all the backlash that he's received, and this, this was predictable, coming from five miles away, with all the backlash that he's received, he now... He claims there is evidence on Roman Reigns. He, he, he's missing the key text messages that he needs. But, you know, now he's going to take some time away from YouTube. He's going to bow out from YouTube to focus more on this film he's working on and other feature film opportunities that he's been given. Oh, I would love to know about these opportunities, by the way. I really would. We, we had a guy on the radio in New York City for years and years and years called Cousin Brucey. I know some of you who live here or have lived in New York, you've heard of the name Cousin Brucey. They even named a street in Manhattan, Cousin Brucey Way. He was a big personality on the radio. I think he may have ended up on uh, satellite radio. He might still be doing that, I don't know. But he got shit-canned many years ago from the oldie station here in New York. They blew out the oldie station and they went to a different format. This was back when that Jack format was still new and... A lot of radio stations, they called it like your your iPod. Jack was like, uh, it was like your iPod or something, and it would play random songs. You didn't need disc jockeys. It was their way of saving money so they didn't have to pay people. And <laughs> this guy was just beside himself. He was so upset at what had happened. But he wasn't upset that he lost his gig, you see. 
He wasn't upset that he lost his job. <clears throat> he was upset because what are my listeners going to do? If they can't listen to me, how are they going to survive? How are they going to cope? It's those people who I'm worried about. I'm worried about those, the, the, the public, my public. I'm worried about those people. And he talked about how I've got all these offers. That's what I remember about. That's why I bring this up. All these offers I have. <laughs> That's all he talked about. Offers. I'm, I'm contemplating multiple offers right now. Offers, offers, offers. I would love to know these offers that John Bravo has gotten. All these opportunities, these feature film opportunities that have come this guy's way. I'd love to know what they are. I certainly hope they're more successful than this. So now he's going into hiding. Take all the time you need. So back to Lesnar. Uh, That makes two big stars that WWE advertised who no-showed that show last Monday in Detroit. Ronda Rousey being the other. This is after WWE had already announced that she would be appearing on every Raw going forward leading up to WrestleMania. WWE went and took down the article that stated that from WWE.com. They pulled it. They very quietly yanked it down. It's like it never existed. And apparently the reason she missed Raw was she was off training for her match at WrestleMania. She had already flown into Connecticut or, I don't know, for the Performance Center or Stanford, wherever she was. Which is great. Now, look, I, I have no problem with keeping her off the show if they have nothing for her to do. But they probably should have thought about that before making hay about the fact that she would be there every single week. It's like they were tripping over themselves to make the announcement. Ronda Rousey is going to be on our show every single week. And then she's not. And that's kind of embarrassing. Now this fabulous Moolah debacle. I mean, good on WWE for making the right move. Whatever their actual motives were here. Because uh, you saved me the uh, trouble of going on a gigantic rant about this here. Because this was just an idiotic decision from the word go. And I'm sure it was a Vince McMahon call, ultimately. I don't know if there were people in the company who actually had enough sense to raise the issue of, hey, this might not be a good idea. Or if everybody just shook their head yes like a bobblehead and kept their mouth shut. But this was beyond idiotic that this was ever even approved in the first place. And I gave them credit when they announced the Mae Young Classic. They could have easily, I was actually surprised that they didn't go with the fabulous Moolah because I know how they've, they've lionized this woman over the years and she was such a big part of their history. I just assumed that they were smart enough and it was a strategic move on their part not to name the Mae Young Classic after Moolah and they went with Mae Young instead knowing Moolah's past, knowing the potential backlash that could come. But now the more I think about this, I realize that was a Triple H call. And Triple H seems like a smart enough guy, a savvy enough guy to know and not want that sort of blowback and bad publicity on his brand because the Mae Young Classic was an NXT thing and something that Triple H oversaw at full sale and that whole thing. And so it seems to me like he had the sense that Vince McMahon does not have. And whether it's out of blind loyalty to Moolah and all of her years of service or maybe that's just aside from Mae Young, the only older women's wrestler he knows... And they say, well, we already named the tournament after May, and so let's name the Battle Royal after Moolah. It was just beyond stupid and beyond unbelievable to me that there there wasn't enough people in the company who could see this coming, who could have stopped it before it happened. But they did it anyway. And so on Monday night, they announced the uh, first ever, the inaugural, fabulous Moolah Memorial Battle Royal at WrestleMania 34 this year with the women. 
because we have to have, you know, they're doing the equal treatment thing. So if we have a men's Royal Rumble, we have a women's Royal Rumble. If we have a men's elimination chamber, we have a women's elimination chamber, which I have no issue with at all. It actually makes sense. As much as they're building up the women's division, there's no reason for them not to be doing a Rumble for them and to do a chamber match or any of that or money in the bank, which they now do. But they felt the need to do the same with the Battle Royal, I guess, to get all the women on the show. Now, I'm not a fan of, you know, two battle royals on the show. You know, it, it's, I don't know. It just feels too similar to the Royal Rumble to me. It seems like a bit much, but whatever. Like I said, they want to get everybody on the show. And it's unfortunate that all of that, and this being, you know, first time ever, all of that's been completely overshadowed by the Moolah controversy. And I'm actually really disappointed in a lot of you guys, because I had so many people say, can you explain to me the history I don't understand why people are so upset about the fabulous moolah. I don't get it. What what are these bad things that she supposedly did? And I got the I got emails from people who have been listening to me for years. And I had to tell them that you would know if you just went back and listened to episode 385 of the Sound Off because that was at least the one time, if not more than once, that I've documented her history, her her uh, awful past right here on this show. Go back and listen to Sound Off 385. There have been a lot of things that have come out over the years about Moolah that do not paint her in a very good light. By now, you've all read the stories. You don't need me to rehash the stories of her pimping out women and, you know, uh, stories of her then-husband supposedly, you know, raping women and her screwing people out of payoffs and taking a big percentage of their earnings and playing politics and holding people down And then there's other rumors, too, that I won't get into, but that are even more sickening. Uh, Right on down to just her effect on the women's wrestling industry. Forget all the the really awful, you know, arguably criminal stuff that she may have done. You know, this idea that Mula was maybe single-handedly responsible for the destruction of the uh, then WWF women's tag team titles. You know, there's been a lot of rumors lately that WWE may, may bring back the women's tag team titles uh, as the division grows. And and that's, again, something else I have no issue with. There's no reason for the women not to have tag team titles. I hope they do. But there was a time where women's tag team wrestling, you know, I was going to say thriving. I mean, there weren't that many teams, but you had the Glamour Girls, you had the Jumping Bomb Angels. Again, the Jumping Bomb Angels, I've talked about them on the podcast before. Because when I've gone back and watched some of those old WWF shows from 1987, 1988, they stuck out to me like a sore thumb because they were working matches in ways that you just didn't see people working matches back then in WWE. You know, they were, I mean, they were really good professional wrestlers and the fans were into them. So this whole notion that, you know, back then it wasn't about work rate, bullshit, bullshit. It wasn't all about work rate, right? Back then, WWF, it was about the larger than life characters and all that, but Believe me, the fans appreciated them because the fans reacted big to them and they had the two out of three falls match at the Royal Rumble in 1988. Those two teams were going back and forth and the women's tag team titles were a hot thing for a while. And then the story that, you know, Moolah could see, I guess the Glamour Girls were sort of her girls and I don't know if they had a falling out or what the issue was, but uh, she was bound and determined to get back at them and make sure they did not succeed you know, and the story that there was a tour of Japan and, 
The Glamour Girls had won the tag team belts actually at the Royal Rumble in 88. They were the champions, and Moolah, I guess, phoned uh, the Glamour Girls, and I think uh, Leilani Kai tells the story in a shoot interview. And Moolah said that, uh, you know, the office wants you to to beat the glamour to beat the uh, the angels rather and win the tag team titles. And I guess they couldn't get in touch with anybody in the office back in the states to confirm this. They took Mula's word as gospel because she was in tight with the McMahons. They assumed that she was telling the truth and being honest with them. So they beat the jumping bomb angels on that tour, won the belts back, and when they got back to the states, they got torn a new asshole because they weren't supposed to win the tag team belts, but they took the heat for it. And I think again, I think it was Leilani Kai who claims that there was a big women's tag team title match planned with those two teams for WrestleMania 4 in 88. That got scratched because they decided to scrap the titles entirely. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli. I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And just the stranglehold that Moolah had on, on a lot of these women and that championship and everything else. Uh, that's the least, that's maybe the least horrible stuff that is credited to her. So again, with having somebody with a history like that, and the way things spread like wildfire on social media these days, it's almost inconceivable to me that they would allow this to get as far as it did. They clearly already paid to have a a trophy made. They showed that in the video package. They're going to have this Moolah trophy sitting in a warehouse now (laughs) that's not going to be used. I just can't believe that it got that far without somebody shutting that shit down and saying, this is a terrible idea. Do they, I mean, they're PR people, somebody, they should have said something. But what's happened now since then is the backlash has been fierce on social media. Forbes picked up the story, Deadspin. People were picking up on this and saying, this is not good. This is not good that they're honoring somebody with this type of of history here. And Stephanie McMahon, when they finally announced the name change, they were going to remove the fabulous Moolah name. It's now the WrestleMania Women's Battle Royals. So to their credit, they made the change. But I love how Stephanie McMahon went on Twitter and she thanked the WWE Universe. She thanked all of us for using our voice. And then, you know, hashtag change the name. It's like give divas a chance, right? So they're positioning this as it was us. It was you and I who were able to speak up and get this name to be changed. It just shows the power of our voices. It is very clever on their part to portray it that way, I will say. I might do the same thing if I were in their shoes. I certainly wouldn't come out and say our sponsor was pissed. (laughs) That's why we're changing the name. But that's exactly what happened here. That is exactly what happened here. 
Uh, I know. I think Sean Ross Sapp was the first person uh, on Fightful.com to report this, that Mars, the company, not the planet, the company uh, that owns Snickers, which is the official sponsor for WrestleMania this year, was pissed, pissed about all the backlash stemming from that name. And that is why WWE ultimately decided to change the name. It was not a situation where they said you must, where they gave them a directive, where they threatened to pull out, but it was made very clear that they were not happy. And the last thing WWE wants is a pissed off sponsor. So they decided on their own, because of that, to make the change. In the absence of any pressure, I think, from sponsors, uh, we would be headed for the fabulous Moolah Battle Royal at WrestleMania. And that just goes to show you right there, if you ever have issue with something WWE is doing, and I'm not talking about oh, Roman Reigns and the main event of WrestleMania, I'm talking something legit. And you want you want action to be taken, you want some kind of change to, to be implemented, you want your voice to be heard, okay? Yeah, you can go on social media, you could tweet, right? That's fine. Go to the sponsors. That's always going to be the most effective route. Go to the sponsors. They live and die by those sponsors. Now you know. But that's why the name was changed. Uh, all the women, you know, that, that had to go on social media and post these tweets about Moolah, it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. It really was. And it's got the generic name now, true. People are upset about that. People will be upset about anything. Look, it was a last-minute change. They'll name it next year after. So there'll be plenty of time to find somebody to name it after next year. They need time to make a new trophy anyway, unless they use the Moolah trophy and put like a, I don't know, put, put a blue dot over her face, right? Or, or something like that. They could do that, I guess. That'd be kind of funny if they did. Um, I don't know how long those trophies take to make. I would imagine it's a long process. So they just don't have time. So they're calling it the WrestleMania Women's Battle Royal. Uh, on Twitter, I suggested Sherry Martell or Trish Stratus get the honor. Uh, you know, next year, if they do decide to name it after somebody. I like the sound, you know, I mentioned this on Twitter, I like the sound of the Sensational Invitational. I really like that name. Trish, you know, look, Trish is one of their most decorated performers. Uh, both of them are in the WWE Hall of Fame, so you can't go wrong, I don't think, with either one of those names. If they pick Trish or another wrestler who is still among the living, you just take out the word Memorial, that's all. It's not the Memorial Battle Royal, it's the Trish Stratus Invitational or the Trish Stratus, uh, you know... Battle Royal, just you don't have to use the word memorial. You can name it after a person who's living, or you can name it after a person who's deceased. Um, but I think either one of them would be a fine choice. Now, of course, watch us end up with the Stephanie McMahon Inspirational Invitational next year. You know this is all going to come back to bite us on the ass in some way. They would do something like that. But, you know, because look, on television Monday night, Jonathan Coachman on commentary referred to Stephanie McMahon as the leader of the women's evolution in WWE. That's how they view her. That's how they're positioning her. She, she is the leader of this women's evolution that has been engulfing WWE. And I don't know which is worse, calling Stephanie McMahon the leader of the women's evolution or, or creating a trophy to give out a WrestleMania every year that, you know, bears the image of a woman who, you know, you could argue did more to stifle the evolution of women's wrestling than maybe any other single person in the history of the business. <laughs> so, actually, I do know which is worse. And uh, and thankfully, they changed the name. But like I said about six weeks ago, I think it was about six weeks ago, it looked then like we were heading for as many as five women's matches at WrestleMania this year. And 
you know, I was going to say that's exactly what it looks like. It looks like five, uh, assuming they add Sasha Banks against Bailey as a singles match and they don't just throw them in the battle royal. But now I see the rumor that the card is already so stacked, Sasha and Bailey might just end up in the battle royal after all. Uh, first off, the rumor last week was that Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn were going to end up in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, and they're not. They're having a singles match. So it is entirely possible plans will change again and they'll get their match, but I'm not even mad about it. I'm not even mad about it if they end up in the Battle Royal, and I'll tell you why. I think they could use it to further the story between the two, have them in there at the end, even if they don't win. I'd have somebody else dump them both out so they both lose. And then they have, you know, their singles match you could save for Backlash, which is the first uh, dual-branded of, well, not, I mean, it, it's not the first dual-branded show of the year, but going forward, as the shows are now going to be dual-branded, that's the first one, you can have their match at Backlash. Because that WrestleMania card, which I'm going to read off in a second, is really long as it is. It actually really is a stacked card. I don't want them wedging a singles match in there with Sasha and Bailey and giving them seven minutes or sticking them on the kickoff show when they have a story that's been building for months now. It's just a complete waste of, of this story that they've been slowly building to now for, for many months. It deserves all the time that it needs. And if they don't have that time at WrestleMania, then they should save the match for a show that does. Now, without Sasha versus Bailey, if we assume that's not going to happen at WrestleMania, we still have Nia Jax and Alexa Bliss, Charlotte and Asuka, the Women's Battle Royal, and technically the Mixed Tag, which includes Stephanie McMahon and Ronda Rousey. That's four matches right there. So the women will be well represented this year at WrestleMania. Uh, they did the big angle with Alexa Bliss and Nia Jax on TV this week. They're really making Nia out to be this sympathetic character. Uh, you know, she was crying, and then she got angry, and she tore up the locker room because the boom mic backstage during what was supposed to be a backstage interview... Uh, picked up all of the audio, all of the interplay between Alexa and Mickey James, who were really just healing it up on Nia. And, you know, she was saying awful things about Nia Jax, and she's so big, and she's a freak, and I'm just using her. And it kind of reminded me of that uh, similar segment they did many years ago during the Attitude Era on Raw, where they were going to a commercial break. Jerry Lawler was in the back, and he was about to interview Paul Bear. About This was when they were building up Undertaker's big secret. I think this was before they announced Kane was still alive. And they put the camera... The cameraman puts the camera down, but the camera is still rolling. And it comes off as like it's supposed to feel real. Like these guys don't know that they're still being filmed. And everybody leaves the room except Lawler and Paul Bearer. They sit down and Lawler's like, come on, tell me the secret. Tell me what you were going to say. And Paul Barry looks around, he's like, okay, I'll tell you. And he tells the story about when, you know, when he had sex with the Undertaker's mother. They were bumping uglies for the first time. Remember, he, <laughs> he said, I'm with Undertaker's mother. I've got her legs up in the air. One leg is going west, the other one's going east. And, you know, they didn't realize that, oh, this was picked up on TV. And, of course, Undertaker wanted to beat the shit after that of, uh, of Paul Bear. So it was that kind of thing. Only this was not nearly as funny as that was. And, uh... When they realize that they, you know, the audio was airing live, they're mortified by this, and they leave, and... So now the stage is set. Clearly, it's not an official match yet, but the stage is set for Nia to challenge Alexa for the championship at WrestleMania. That will be a match. And the Nia Jax babyface turn is is all but complete. Uh, Ultimate Deletion 
is tomorrow night. Broken Matt Hardy against uh, Bray Wyatt. Broken Bray. So they're going to have their big uh, final deletion style match, which was already taped from the Hardy compound a couple of weeks ago. Uh, The Ultimate Deletion preview video that aired on TV on Monday night showed uh, all of the cast of characters that we've been waiting to see. Queen Rebecca and King Maxwell and Lord Wolfgang and Senor Benjamin and uh, Vanguard One. Yes, Vanguard One is back. And so we're going to get all the, the makings of Broken Mad Hardy from Impact that we've been waiting for. This is exactly what I've been waiting for. This is make or break here for this gimmick on TV tomorrow night. This thing is either going to be entertaining as all hell or it's going to be a fucking train wreck. This is the first video of its kind like this, the first Final Deletion style video under the auspices of WWE. I certainly hope they left Matt and Borash and whoever else was there to their own devices to film it and, you know, do it the right way. Uh, I have faith. I am looking forward to that more than anything else on the show Monday night. I don't know what that says about the build to WrestleMania, which actually isn't bad. They've built up some pretty big matches this year, but I'm looking more forward to this than anything else. So, fingers crossed. I have not looked forward to anything like this involving Bray Wyatt in a very long time, but I've got my hopes up for this. Is Jeff Hardy going to be involved? Supposedly he was. Are they going to edit him out? I hope not. I hope not. Just... Use whatever you filmed. Who cares? If there's a broken Nero cameo, who cares? Unless you're going to suspend him. And they haven't announced any any sort of punishment yet. I don't see any reason to uh, to edit this guy out. Braun Strowman won a battle royal on this show to become the challenger, or challengers, I guess you would say, to the Raw Tag Team titles at WrestleMania. As of right now, it's going to be Braun Strowman against Sheamus and Cesaro. The question is, are they going to find a tag team partner for Braun? Or are they going to have him go in there as his own tag team? Two-on-one in a handicap match and challenge for the titles at WrestleMania. Surely he can. I don't think he needs a partner. But I'm hoping they go with the idea that I pitched a couple of weeks ago and they pair him off if he's ready to come back and healthy enough with Samoa Joe. I think Samoa Joe would make a fine surprise tag team partner for Strowman. Although I guess Kurt Angle is going to make an announcement on TV tomorrow night. So we may find out as early as tomorrow night. Uh, But yeah, I mean, Samoa Joe is the idea that I had pitched couple weeks back i think uh you know they look they could still do single stuff even if they're a team for a while but i think it's sort of like a wrecking crew kind of team i think it would be great i'd love to see that uh smackdown live on tuesday we had rusev wrestling uh nakamura on uh, the pay-per-view sunday and on tv tuesday he had a match with aj styles both good matches especially the one with shinsuke really liked Hopefully this is a sign of more things to come. I saw that Rusev was on Twitter asking for a celebrity opponent for WrestleMania. And uh, Macaulay Culkin, of all people, accepted his challenge. Macaulay Culkin's a huge wrestling fan. He accepted the challenge of Rusev for WrestleMania. I say he should accept and then have the Wet Bandits run in on the match and beat the shit out of him for all the crap that he put them through. Uh, the Bludgeon Brothers were kept strong on the show this week, coming out of that beatdown angle of fast lane. Jimmy Uso and Big E decided to put their differences aside and team up, and once again got their asses handed to them. So uh, they are pushing the Bludgeon Brothers hard. We had Charlotte and Asuka have their first formal face-off in the ring. Uh, I guess they're using Charlotte now multiple times on TV, on social media. She's using this expression, iron sharpens iron, whatever. Uh, I, I thought, yeah, this was fine. This was fine. Charlotte talked about how I have to face you. I'm glad that you picked me. I wanted you to pick me. 
I've never faced anybody like you before. Now I get to break your streak. And then Asuka turned around and said, I you know, wanted to wrestle you because I like the challenge. You're the queen. I'm the empress. I bow to no one. No one is ready for Asuka. Very basic build. You don't have to reinvent the wheel here. You've got two of the best, uh, if not the two best, female performers in the entire company. This was the match I think most people were hoping for at WrestleMania. Uh, certainly more so than uh, Asuka and Alexa. And now we're going to get it. It would take a lot, I think, to ruin the build-up to this match. You just don't have to do much. You know, a couple weeks you can do a contract signing. Um, you know, they're they're on the right track. They're on the right track right now. It's one of the matches I'm looking most forward to at the pay-per-view. And then they did a big angle at the end of the show. Shane McMahon had a major announcement concerning WrestleMania. His big announcement was that Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn will go one-on-one at WrestleMania. And in light of his own actions at the pay-per-view, when he interfered in the six-pack challenge, he very blatantly cost Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens at different points the championship. He pulled the referee out of the ring, broke up the pin attempts. In light of his behavior, uh, and in counsel with Daniel Bryan, he, he being Shane, has decided to step away as the commissioner of SmackDown Live. He said, Bryan's going to be back on TV next week. I, however, am going to step away for a while. And that brought out Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, who had been talking about each other throughout the night like they didn't like each other, they were no longer friends, which may well be true in storyline, but they certainly ganged up together to beat the piss out of Shane McMahon. They beat this guy up good. Haluva kick, pop-up powerbomb, literally dragged his carcass to the back, gave him another powerbomb on uh, like a metal grate. And I gotta give props to Shane McMahon here. I, you know, his selling in that beatdown at the end was was really good. You know, he was... Now, maybe it was, maybe he wasn't acting, because Shane, more often than not when I see Shane, I'm not, by no means am I not saying Shane is not an athlete, or that, you know, he he works out or anything, but I don't know, every time I look at Shane, he's sweating bullets, or if he's talking, he's breathing heavily, just from like a promo. He always seems like he's one step away from just like dropping dead, and so maybe, you know, him heaving on the ground the way he was at the end of the show was, was not acting as much as he was just really heaving but I thought his selling here was was very realistic and very well done and you know just selling the uh the brutal nature of the attack here so that was sort of the angle I guess to write him off for a while and the card for Wrestlemania 34 I mentioned before I was going to run through it real quick the card looks like this right now and I'll give some quick thoughts on each match as I run through here we have the uh, of course the first ever fuck the fabulous moolah memorial battle royal with all the women uh, who are not in other matches. They're going to borrow women from Raw, SmackDown, even NXT. They had shown Ember Moon, Shayna Baszler. It looks like they'll be in there. Maybe Kairi Sane. So we'll have that. And uh, and that's fine. You know, whatever. I mean, I, I still... I don't like the idea of two Battle Royals on the same show that already has 13 other matches, but I'm sure they'll shove it onto the pre-show and women are going to be jumping out of that ring left and right every five seconds. So that's just how it is. Uh, the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, I don't know that that's official, but I would be surprised if we don't have another one of those. The finals of the Cruiserweight Championship Tournament, which look to be uh, Cedric Alexander and Mustafa Ali, which I think is a great match. That's a great match. You know, I talked a few weeks ago about my uh, being a big fan of Mustafa Ali, wanting to see him go to WrestleMania and win the championship. You can't go wrong with either guy. Cedric, I, I will say they've been building it up with Cedric for a long time. 
Uh, I did check out, you know, part of 205 Live this week. I just haven't had the time lately with everything going on that I'd like to have. But it was like the Cedric Alexander show. I mean, this guy is an incredible performer. And, uh, you know, if that's the match at WrestleMania, I think we're in for a treat. Um, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. I still feel like this match is going to change. I still think it can end up being a tag team match with Shane. I don't think Shane is out of the picture completely. So, you know, I'll I'll hold court on uh, my thoughts on this. But look, if it ends up being Owens and Zayn one-on-one, that's their first ever singles match at a WrestleMania. For them, that's a big deal. And we know the two of them can work well together. So I don't doubt that if it, if they have a singles match, they're going to want to go out there and they're going to want to tear down the house at WrestleMania. I just don't see this being a singles match. You got two heels, one-on-one. I, I don't see that as being the final uh, destination for them. We have Alexa Bliss most likely defending the Raw Women's Championship against Nia Jax. We have, uh, and that's a story also that's been building for a very long time. So they've built that nicely. We have Strowman and the bar for the tag team titles. Strowman possibly with a partner. Maybe Samoa Joe. Hopefully. Randy Orton will likely be defending his United States Championship in a triple threat against Bobby Roode and Jinder Mahal. Uh, You know my thoughts on this feud. I am no fan. The Miz defends the Intercontinental title in a triple threat match of his own against Finn Balor and Seth Rollins. Now, on the other hand, here's a triple threat match that I am looking forward to, and I think that's going to be a hell of a match. And if I were a betting man, I would put that belt on Balor, because Rollins should be challenging for the Universal title coming out of WrestleMania. Miz Miz should probably move back to SmackDown, and I would uh, put the belt on Balor. Charlotte Flair and Asuka. For the SmackDown Women's Championship, it's going to be a great match. I do not expect the streak to end. There is, of course, the wrinkle of Carmella. There is the wrinkle of having Carmella with that briefcase, but I was talking a few weeks ago about the possibility that, and this has never happened before, of having a Money in the Bank contract holder switch brands. You know, assuming then that that briefcase would would come with them and would switch over to the other brand... You know, Carmella does not have to cash in on on Charlotte or Asuka if she goes to Raw. So just keep that in mind. To have Asuka win, or somebody else floated the idea to me, what if Carmella cashes in in mid-match? What if Charlotte and Asuka knock each other out, and it's a Seth Rollins situation from WrestleMania 31, where Carmella interjects herself and it becomes a triple threat? She pins Charlotte. You know, is that possible? And does Asuka's streak, is, is the streak over? If that were to happen, I mean, the answer is yes, if that was to happen, which is why I don't think it will, Um, because even if Asuka's not the one to be pinned, I mean, if she's in a triple threat and doesn't win, then that's a loss. So there's a lot of interesting ways they could go with this. I still think, and I like the idea that she could threaten to cash in on Asuka, but then, you know, get scared and backs off, and that she ends up being drafted and takes that briefcase to Raw with her. We have The Undertaker and John Cena. We have Ronda Rousey and Kurt Angle against Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. We have AJ Styles against Shinsuke Nakamura for the WWE Championship. And of course, Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar for the Universal title. That is a full card. I didn't count them out here, but that's a lot of matches. You can see why Sasha and Bayley may not get their singles match on this show and why I'm okay with it. Because this is already a stacked card. I could see this being another seven-hour show, which is too much. It's It's just too much. So, I don't think they need to add anything else to this card. And I think, honestly, just looking at this card from top to bottom, 
I mean, you could always cherry pick, oh, I wish, you know, they did this, or this person should be wrestling that person. I'm looking at this card. This is not a bad WrestleMania card on paper. It's really not. We still don't have a SmackDown tag team title match. You have to assume it's going to end up being, uh, you know, at least a three-way with New Day Usos and Bludgeon Brothers, if not a four-way, if they add Gable and Benjamin, which I would expect. So that's another match that still has yet to be added to the show. Um, if they add that and, and you've got, you know, Styles and Nakamura and even Lesnar and Reigns, you know, they had an excellent match back at WrestleMania 31. I'm sure they'll have a good match this time. And Charlotte and Asuka, I mean, this is, you know, Cedric and Ali, if that's the Cruiserweight title match. That's a pretty good WrestleMania card. That is a pretty good WrestleMania card. And shout out to Josh Parry Designs on YouTube, P-A-R-R-Y. Check him out, Josh Parry Designs on YouTube. He put together some incredible concept art and animation for the WrestleMania 34 stage. It's designed to look like Bourbon Street. The set is designed to look like Bourbon Street with the balcony and everything, you know, in New Orleans. It's really, really creative. And, you know, I said earlier, last year, WWE went all out in Orlando. Five million dollars. They spent more money than they ever have before to put together a stage set up for WrestleMania. And it looked spectacular. It was easily the best stage uh, that they've ever put together for any event. And I'd like to see... So we know they could do great stuff. They do it for WrestleMania. Unfortunately, they don't do it for anything else. And so we've, you know, long been removed from the years of WWE coming up and spending the money on these clever, creative concepts for stages, whether it's the taxi cab above the entranceway at the Royal Rumble back in 2000, or the swinging sights from Backlash that they used to use all those years ago, or maybe they're in a particular city that's known for something, and they can sort of incorporate that into the stage and the set. We don't see that anymore, except for WrestleMania. And so I don't have any doubt that whatever they're going to come up with is probably going to look pretty damn cool, but I would I would hope it has some kind of New Orleans vibe to it. And what Josh put together here, you got to go on his channel and check it out. It's pretty cool stuff. I'm actually not wearing pants, and that's how I watch NXT every single week. NXT this week, Sanity and the Street Profits have moved on in the Dusty Classic. Sanity with a win over Tino Sabatelli and Riddick Moss. And the Street Profits with a win over Heavy Machinery. Uh, more trouble in paradise with Moss and Sabatelli. Moss nailed his partner with an errant fist. Sanity picks up the win, advances in the tournament. Moss and Sabatelli, obviously, still headed to Splitsville. Slowly, but that's where they're headed. And Heavy Machinery, I'd say they took a good 90% of their match with the Street Profits. It was only about a three-minute match to begin with. Uh, there was a funny spot where Montez Ford has the, the Black Solo Cup. He offers Otis some of what is in his, uh, his cup. And it would be great if his gimmick is that, you know, he poisons their opponents by putting something different in the cup each week. Like one week, it's something that makes them drowsy and knocks them out. Uh, then the next week, it's like a laxative, and they run to the back and get counted out. Instead, it only seemed to make Otis stronger, whatever it was. It was probably vodka. Uh, then they had the uh, trash compactor set up for the finish when Tucker Knight went to hit the ropes. Montez pulled the rope down. He fell out of the ring. Montez Ford, who you know I've talked about before, somebody to keep your eye on. He he and and um, oh my goodness, uh, his 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 girlfriend. Uh, her name escapes me. The two of them, though, both of them, 
are two uh, tremendous athletes who I think you got to keep your eye on who are going to be both be big stars in NXT. Maybe one day they'll be together, maybe even on TV. They'll be together as a, a package deal one day and they'll both become uh, you know, big stars on the main roster. But Montez Ford and uh, Bianca Belair. There we go. Her name escaped me for a moment. I, I see the, the ponytail and I just forgot the name. But Bianca Belair is another one. She actually, I've heard... Uh, you know, people say, you know, when they talk about how strong she is and everything, that she may be the best athlete in NXT, male or female, which is pretty high praise. Uh, so she's another one to watch out for. Montez Ford got some height on this frog splash. This guy was just, he, he got enough. What was the line that Lawler uses sometimes about, you know, he uh, got some frequent flyer miles from being so high in the air. Yeah. Yeah, that was the kind of height he got on this. He hit a huge frog splash on Dozovic for the win. He got the kind of height that the Velveteen Dream used to get on those elbows, and we really haven't seen him get a lot of height on those elbow drops in a while. Uh, on those Randy Savage elbows. So anyway, Street Profits advance. Tommaso Ciampa, once again, came to the ring and threatened to speak. But he was drowned out by booze and chants of Johnny Wrestling and We Want Johnny they also handed out signs with Gargano's logo for everybody to hold up. Reminded me of when the Yankees played the Red Sox at Fenway. And hundreds of Red Sox fans were wearing blonde-haired girl masks whenever A-Rod walked to the plate <laughs> to mock him. Because it had come out that he was like having an affair with like a blonde stripper. So those masks were creepy, too. It was like something out of that movie, The Strangers. They should have all been wearing Johnny Gargano masks here on this show. So Champa storms out. They sing the goodbye song to him as he exits. He appears to be descending into madness, which I guess is not surprising for a guy who calls himself a psycho killer. Um, and I'm sure what will end up happening here is maybe this week he'll end up going to William Regal. He'll ask Regal to reinstate Gargano, which leads to the unsanctioned match as sort of a uh, compromise because... I could see Regal saying, look, you know, a, a deal's a deal. That was the stipulation. I can't just bring Johnny back. But they could do the unsanctioned thing with the stipulation that if Johnny Gargano wins, he gets his job back. But then they could swerve everybody. And he loses anyway. And then he debuts on 205 Live that Tuesday after WrestleMania. <laughs> that's what that's what I would do. Put him on the... Or, or whatever. Even just the main roster. But I think Gargano... Uh, you know, it looks like they're going with Aleister Black for a while, probably with that championship. So Johnny Gargano, I think, is more more than past due. Probably he and Almas both to uh, make their way up to the main roster. I say 205 Live, and I would not have said that even just three or four months ago. But now that Triple H has sort of gotten his hold on that show, I have faith that if Gargano did go to 205 Live, uh, that he would be booked to be a major star on that brand. And then one day he'll be on Raw or he'll be on SmackDown. It doesn't have to be right away. Um, but I, I still think even if they add that stipulation that, you know, Gargano gets his job back, I, I like that for this reason, because I think most people would probably look at that and think that Gargano was going to win because in the end, the good guy always prevails. And also he's got to get his job back somehow, but he doesn't, he doesn't have to get his job back. He could still lose and end up on the main roster. Dakota Kai beat Lacey Evans with a roll up. First time we've seen Dakota since she had her arm destroyed by Shayna Baszler. Baszler came out post-match, threatened to do it again. When Ember Moon made the save, she accepted Baszler's challenge to a rematch to take over for the NXT Women's Championship. They ended up brawling. 
Baszler was uh, setting Moon up in the corner for something, I don't know, something bad when Dakota Kai came from out of nowhere and hit Shayna with a running kick to the head, kick to the face, which allowed Moon to hit the Eclipse. It's going to be a good weekend for the uh, MMA horsewomen in New Orleans with Shayna Baszler winning the NXT Women's Championship and Ronda Rousey tapping out Stephanie McMahon. Pete Dunne and Adam Cole. For the United Kingdom Championship, no surprise, real good stuff here. Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, all over the place here in this match. Dunn hit the bitter end, but they provided the distraction. Dunn went after them, pays the price for it, gets a second win. Yanks on Cole's fingers, bends him, both in uh, opposite directions. Finally, Fish and O'Reilly have seen enough. They attack Pete Dunn for the DQ. Undisputed beatdown on the champion until Roderick Strong makes the save, and he gets overwhelmed. Dunn comes to the rescue. Two of them stare each other down. Roddy puts his hand out for a handshake. And just to be a dick, Pete Dunn slaps his arm. Because, well, he's Pete Dunn. So it looks like a babyface turn to me for for Pete, even though he's done absolutely nothing different than he normally would. Kind of a Steve Austin thing, right? Steve Austin never turned babyface. What did Stone Cold Steve Austin do to turn baby? He did nothing. He didn't do anything. He kept doing what he did all the time. He would cuss, flip people off, kick them in the gut. But the people ended up just, you know, they, they liked it. They wanted to see more of it. So they started cheering him. You know, I like that. I like when that happens. Person doesn't do anything different. He doesn't change his personality. The worst thing that they could ever do to Pete Dunn would have him coming out kissing babies, slapping high five. I don't want them to change a single thing about Pete Dunn. If people want to cheer for him, that's great. But... It would be sacrilege to turn him into a full-fledged babyface. Just let him keep doing what he's doing. That's what makes him Pete Dunne. He's still smug. He's still a smug SOB. But the people were already cheering for him anyway. So uh, as long as we get to see more of him on TV, that's all that matters. The uh, show ended this past week with William Regal moderating a contract signing for the championship match at TakeOver between Andrade Cien Almas and Aleister Black. Black came out in a black suit. How appropriate. Almas was represented by Zelina Vega. The NXT champion taking a card here from the Universal Champion, pulling a no-show. Black sits down on the on the ground, cross-legged. And he says, well, I'm doing this so I could be on the same level with you, Zelina. So, making short jokes about, well, a very tiny woman. I don't know uh, anybody who would disagree with that. She is a very tiny woman. He makes a bunch of short jokes at her expense. She slaps him in the face. He signs the contract. And then he then tells her, I didn't come alone. And he brings out Candice LeRae. Candice LeRae comes out and she beats the hell out of Zelina Vega. Gives her a running rope-assisted bulldog to end the show. I still don't know why they never did the uh, mixed tag with Gargano and Candice against Almas and Vega on TV to build to Gargano Almas 4. I don't know why they didn't just do that. You know? But that's enough armchair booker for now. That was NXT this past week. Sad tweet. Sad tweet goes to at Denny Burkholder. Denny is a writer for CBS Sports. He tweeted out a screenshot from the official WrestleCon website. WrestleCon coming to New Orleans. WrestleMania weekend this year. He posted a tweet. This was on Tuesday. And the screenshot listed all of the stars that will be attending WrestleCon this year from WrestleMania weekend. And the four names and headshots. They listed for the New Japan Stars was a sight to behold. 
Hiroshi Tanahashi became Hiroshi Tanahashi. Which, even after they fixed all the other ones, by the way, and it might still say, it still said Tanahashi. So, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Minoru Su- <laughs> I'm afraid to say this guy's name wrong, because he may hear about this and beat the hell out of me, but Minoru Suzuki, as opposed to Suzuki, Koda with a D, Koda Ibushi, and the best one of all, and the scariest. They listed Tori Wilson. They put the name Tori Wilson with a headshot of Tomohiro Ishii. And I said, you know, Tori, Tori's looking awfully rough these days. What the hell happened? She looked great at the Royal Rumble. And in just the last, uh, whatever, 45 days or whatever it's been, she's taken a turn for the worse. Either Tori is looking rough or Ishii is getting ready to challenge Asuka soon for the Women's Championship. It's one or the other. Actually, that'd probably be a hell of a match. Ishii and Asuka? Mailbag time. If you have questions, you can email me, thesolomonster at gmail.com is the place to send all of your questions. Please include your name and where you are from when you write in. Start here with Jad from London, England. I know this won't happen, but it got me thinking. I think I would die laughing if once the bell rings at WrestleMania 34, Brock Lesnar just kicks Roman Reigns in the balls, picks up his title, and leaves. Just to put the exclamation point on the perception that he does not give a fuck. Can you imagine if that was the final image of Lesnar and then his contract expires? That would be, I think, the greatest finish ever to a WrestleMania if that happened. And uh, I kind of dare them to do it and uh, and play pyro as he walks out. As he walks out, the pyro goes off. He gets the big celebration just because like the pyro is probably automatic. <laughs> probably have to play it anyway. I guess that is if we even get pyro at WrestleMania. I'm sure we will. But your your flaw, the little flaw in your plan here is that you're assuming that Lesnar would even pick up the title. Believe me, he does not care about the championship either. He would kick him in the balls and just walk out. I, I doubt he cares very much about the uh, the big fruit roll-up belt. Uh, Will from the UK, now living in Mexico. Who would you think, uh, or what would you think, of James Ellsworth being Braun Strowman's partner at WrestleMania? You have Braun as the legit monster beating every team single-handedly with Ellsworth as his lackey. Braun intimidates Ellsworth into being his partner, but Ellsworth never actually tags in. It also means that Braun continues to look like a monster, demolishing teams single-handedly. And when you want him to go back to a singles run, that could be the first time that Ellsworth tags in and he loses the belts. What say you? I think it was a mistake that they let go of James Ellsworth because that would have been a pretty cool idea. Kind of like a, uh, not exactly Kane and X-Pac, but you know, the whole odd couple thing. Yeah, I could see that working. That way he technically has a partner, but he never actually tags in. Braun does all the work. He demolishes everybody. Ellsworth just sort of stands there and makes faces and is, is you know, entertaining in his own way. And guys can go after Ellsworth and maybe, uh, I don't know, Braun either protects him or, you know, people slip on a banana peel before they get to him or whatever, but they can never seem to get to Ellsworth. I mean, there, there's a way to make that work. There's a way to do that. And they could, look, they could bring Ellsworth in at WrestleMania. They could make Ellsworth. His surprise partner. I still would go with Samoa Joe. But yeah, I think that could work. Jass from Surrey, England. After what happened on SmackDown, I think it will be a tag team match at WrestleMania. With Shane McMahon and a partner of his choice against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. I think that partner should be Bobby Lashley. What do you think about this? I do not like that idea because I would save Lashley for... 
And I, I assume this is what they're doing, is that he'll debut on TV the night after WrestleMania. And if Brock is not officially fully done, then they could set something up with Lashley and Lesnar. Uh, I could even see a situation where Lesnar loses the championship and comes out with Heyman on TV the next night, uh, much as he did the night after WrestleMania 31, when Seth Rollins cashed in and became the champion. Brock had all these cuts on his face. He was out there the next night on TV, just full of piss and vinegar, ready to go. They teased the rematch with him and uh, Rollins. Rollins ran away. Remember that whole thing? Brock actually pretended like he cared. He actually felt, uh, you know, you felt like, wow, this guy's actually really pissed off. He wants his, his belt back. I could see a similar thing happening this time. Where Lesnar shows up the next night. Heyman's cutting a promo. They want a rematch. They want to cash in on their rematch against Reigns. And all of a sudden, the music hits and out comes Bobby Lashley. And that way, they don't have to worry about a rematch with Lesnar and Reigns, which I doubt they would want to do anyway. By the way, we still have yet to see anybody who's ever been the Universal Champion and lost get their rematch. It still has not happened. So I would rather they do something big with Lashley like that. Lashley debuting as Shane's partner against Owens and Zayn, to me, just doesn't make a whole lot of sense unless Shane has signed Lashley to SmackDown. Then that would make sense, I suppose. Uh, But again, if it were me, I'd save him for after WrestleMania... And what I here, here's one idea I throw out at you. Uh, you were joking earlier that you know Rusev was on Twitter saying I want to I need an opponent I want a celebrity opponent for WrestleMania, and Rusev you know for the most part it's been you know a lot of comedy and he's very entertaining. I think he's very um, underutilized. I think they could be doing a lot more with him and making even more money off him beyond the money they've already made on all the uh, Rusev Day merch. But what about Rusev? What about Rusev as Shane McMahon's tag team partner at WrestleMania? Because Rusev has no match. He's asking for one. He wants one. He's a man with no match. The people are into him. I think they would totally buy into him being Shane's tag team partner. Remember a few weeks ago, Shane McMahon was in the ring cutting a promo talking about something completely different. And he got drowned out by chance of Rusev Day. And Shane had to stop what he was doing to acknowledge it. And he go, duly noted. Remember that? Duly noted, he said. And then then we didn't see Rusev on TV for two weeks. But I remember that. And it wouldn't be that much of a stretch if Rusev wanted to get a little more serious here, going into WrestleMania, for him to step up and say, hey, you know, Shane is, uh, let's say, looking for a partner. I want to be that guy. And that could complete the Rusev babyface turn, which I thought they would have done anyway by now. Um... But I think that would seal the deal if they did that. This is assuming that Shane does end up, you know, wrestling them. Right now it's a singles match and they did the injury angle on Tuesday. I don't know if that was to write Shane out indefinitely. I still feel like it's going to be a tag team match at WrestleMania. It's very obvious Daniel Bryan will not be part of that tag team match. So Shane, uh, if he comes back and needs a partner, I think Rusev would be a better choice than Lashley would. Uh, Carlos from New York, would you hold off on Bailey versus Sasha Banks until SummerSlam in Brooklyn? being that it looks like they are being placed in the Mania Battle Royal. I would definitely do Sasha Banks and Bailey in Brooklyn. Let me rephrase that. I would do the Sasha Banks-Bailey match in Brooklyn. I mean, the other one goes without saying. But yes, I would do that match in Brooklyn at SummerSlam, but I would not have that be the first match. I, I don't think you can wait that long until August before you do the first match between the two. I just don't think that's that's viable. I think, if anything, the SummerSlam match would be the culmination of the feud. I think the SummerSlam match in Brooklyn would be the the climax. 
again, poor poor choice of words, but boy, I'm really digging myself a hole here, aren't I? Um, I think that could be the end of whatever feud that they have going on before they go their separate way. SummerSlam should be the stipulation match, whatever stipulation that may be. But to wait until SummerSlam, if that's what you're asking me, could you wait that long to do the first match? No, I don't think you can. I think if you don't do it in Mania, you do it at Backlash. Maybe you do a second match. Maybe they trade wins back and forth, and then you build to Brooklyn. They can play off that classic match they had in that building, you know, three years ago. And they go out there, and they end the feud at SummerSlam. Jordan from Washington, D.C. Do you think Alexa Bliss is overrated? She's constantly pushed to the top of the women's division despite not being very good in the ring and not having any good wrestling matches in her catalog. I don't understand why the company doesn't turn a heel Sasha Banks or turn uh, to a heel Sasha Banks if they want to fill that spot. Women like Sasha and Becky are all around much better performers but are not nearly pushed as hard. Really? Because I think they push Sasha Banks pretty damn hard, actually. On television. Becky Lynch, I agree. Becky Lynch is criminally underused, I think, uh, for how good she is right now. She's just not, you know, I I guess everybody kind of has that time where they're in the spotlight and then they're not. Mickie James for the longest time, you could have forgotten that she was even on the roster. Now she's in the role of being Alexa Bliss's uh, best friend. All of a sudden she's her lackey and she's on TV every single week. I would hope Becky is just in that mode right now where they just don't have anything for her and maybe coming out of Wrestlemania they will maybe they'll shake things up she'll end up on Raw I don't know but she definitely deserves more than what they have her doing right now which is a whole lot of nothing I see her teaming up with Naomi every other week and that's about it there's not a whole lot going on but is Alexa Bliss overrated absolutely not I've never seen anybody praise her as some great wonder worker in the ring to be overrated, people would have to talk about what a great wrestler you are. I've no, I don't hear people talking about what a great in-ring performer Alexa Bliss is. So how could she be overrated? People say exactly what... I, I agree. I think her strong suit isn't so much her, her matches. Her strong suit is in her personality. It's in her verbal ability. It's in her personality. She plays the mean girl role perfectly to a T. Fits her like a glove. But, I mean, nobody has ever called her some great uh, performer the likes of Charlotte or Sasha Banks or Asuka. She is perfect in the mean girl role that she's in. She's got that character down pat. She's a great talker. She's a decent enough wrestler. I don't think she's horrendous or anything like that. She holds her own. But I don't see anybody overrating her. I think what you meant to ask was, does her in-ring ability warrant her push? Uh, no, I think her character and her verbal skills warrant her push. I find her entertaining. And and the way I look at it, she needs that title more than, let's say, somebody like Sasha Banks does right now. I mean, Sasha's had that damn thing, what, four times now? Five times? I've lost track. She She wins the belt, she loses it 24 hours later. But she's been the champion now a whole bunch of times. Now she's in this long building long simmering storyline with Bailey that uh you know will will culminate soon and maybe she goes heel maybe Bailey goes heel right i think it would make sense for Sasha to be the one because i think that role fits her better but we'll see we'll see where the story takes us but i think right now she doesn't need the championship 
Alexa, I think, does better having it than somebody like Sasha does, because Sasha doesn't need it. You know? And Alexa's going to drop the belt at WrestleMania to Nia Jax. If, if for some reason it doesn't happen at WrestleMania, maybe they want to put it off by another month, so it'll happen at Backlash. But Alexa Bliss's days as the women's champion are numbered. She does not have longer than a month and a half max left as the women's champion. Mark my words. And when that time comes, they'll put the spotlight on somebody else. If you're so sick of Alexa, I would just say to you, be patient. Uh, They'll rotate to somebody else in a month or two. But I think to call her uh, overrated is not understanding the true definition of that word. I don't see people overrating her in-ring talent at all. They're saying the same things that you're saying. But I think all of her other characteristics and all of her other attributes uh, make her, you know, worthy of being in the position that she's in. She's a great heel. Uh, LC from Rochester, New York. You said before that your favorite Iron Man match was the Rock and Triple H from Judgment Day in 2000. I rewatched it and also enjoyed it, but I wondered why The Rock lost the title. Undertaker comes in, attacks Triple H, and it leads to him winning by disqualification and becoming the champion. Since in any other match, the title cannot change hands by DQ, why did it change hands in this instance? Uh, well, because it was an Iron Man match, and that's how Iron Man matches work. It doesn't matter how you win, you could win by countout. When the 60 minutes are up, the winner is the man who has the most falls. And once Triple H won by DQ in the waning minutes of that match... He went up six falls to five. The only thing that matters is that six to five. He had six. Rock had five. Therefore, Triple H wins. It's very, very simple. There's really not a lot to it. Uh, Isaac from London, Ontario. On Bruce Pritchard's podcast on WrestleMania 19, he talked about how Kurt Angle could easily have missed out on his match with Brock Lesnar due to needing neck fusion surgery. If Kurt did miss WrestleMania, who could have replaced him against Brock out of these names that they mentioned? Chris Benoit... Eddie Guerrero, or The Undertaker? The Undertaker. The Undertaker had already feuded with Lesnar a few months earlier. They had that great Hell in a Cell match. Um, It would have been very easy for them to just continue that feud. And and I guess by that point, Undertaker kind of was already a babyface. So that might have been a little weird. But it's not like they haven't done babyface versus babyface matches before. Undertaker did a whole lot of nothing. That was actually one of the bigger wastes, I think, of Undertaker's streak. He was in like a handicap match, I think, against A-Train and, and Big Show that year. So he didn't have a whole lot going on. It would have been very easy to slide him into that main event. And I think they could have I think they could have had a great match. They had good chemistry together. Benoit, Benoit and Eddie, they went on to become much bigger names. But by that point, I think a lot of people, myself included, I think would have had a tough time buying into either one of them. Especially Eddie. Uh, as, you know, being in the WrestleMania main event. You know, I wouldn't say that if it was like two years later, but yeah, I mean, of those three, you got to go with Undertaker. Joe from San Diego, buy or sell on the Eddie Guerrero, speaking of Eddie, uh, Eddie Guerrero match that you would rather have seen. Eddie Guerrero against Shawn Michaels or Eddie Guerrero against Bret the Hitman Hart. Either one of those matches, I think, would have been a lot of fun, but I have to buy on Eddie and Shawn. And I'll sell on uh, Eddie and Brett. I just think, I don't know, the kind of performers they were, I think Eddie and Sean would have just had a better match. It would have been more entertaining. You know, believe me, there's a lot of guys I would have loved to have seen Bret Hart have the chance to wrestle, Kurt Angle being chief among them. 
But I don't think of like, oh man, we really missed out on that Bret Hart Eddie Guerrero match. And I'm not even sure they didn't wrestle one time in WCW. Somebody can probably look it up for me. Maybe they had a house show match or something. It's actually possible they had a match in WCW. Uh, I don't think they did. I think, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure they didn't, but somebody can can look that up for me. Eddie and Sean, though, I mean, that was the match that was rumored for WrestleMania 22. And I know there was one WWE writer who's come out since then and has said, oh, I, you know, that was either just an idea that was briefly considered or I don't have any, another one said, I don't have any memory of that being discussed. So I don't know how close it truly got to happening, but that was definitely the rumor at the time. I think there was some consideration for that match. And I think we missed out. We missed out. Even at that state, you know, that that state of his career, Eddie Guerrero and the shape physically that he was in, he was very broken down. Physically, he just would not have been able to deliver the kind of match that he and Sean could have a decade earlier. It would have been incredible. Although by 06, Eddie was a, a much more... Uh, well-rounded performer, I guess. In terms of like building up to that match, he was at he would have been at his best. And then physically, the match itself maybe wouldn't have been as good as it could have been, but it still would have been pretty damn good. I mean, I think I really do. I think we missed out on on a, on a classic WrestleMania classic by not getting that match in 06. and uh, we're just left to wonder, you know, what those two would have had up their sleeve. Whatever it is, I'm sure it would have been great. And uh, again, it's not a knock on Brett. I just think that would have been the better match. Keep sending in those questions. I'm being inundated with them, uh, and I haven't been able to get through all of them yet because I've been uh, a little preoccupied with things going on uh, elsewhere. But uh, I'm getting a lot of questions, a lot of good questions, and you never know when it may end up here on the show, and I may be able to answer it on the air. But uh, please include your name and where you're from when you write in. Follow me on Twitter at Solomonster. Uh, I will be... uh, very much looking forward to seeing many of you in New Orleans for our meetup on April 8th. I'll be at Wale Mania, Wale Mania 4, April 5th. That's my first night when I get into New Orleans. Uh, hopefully, if I get to New Orleans. It's kind of up in the air at this point, but uh, I am planning on being there. And Wale Mania, NXT, there's a lot on the agenda. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of big shows, big events on the agenda. I'm sure my uh, path will cross with many of you throughout uh, the entire weekend. So that's coming up in just a few weeks. We'll be back with episode 540 of the podcast next Sunday. So until then, have yourselves a fantastic week. Please be well, stay safe. Thank you as always for all of your support, all of your uh, kind messages that many of you have been leaving on social media. I appreciate it. And uh, we will be back with a brand new show next weekend. So until then, take care guys. The good, the bad, and the ugly. The Solomonster sounds off. They have Kane in the back. This is what he said. Tonight, I will delight as I enter the abyss with a fellow monster. But it is I who will climb out alone and with a smile across my face. Oh, oh my God. God, what do they think this is, Shakespeare? I was driving yesterday, and some asshole double parks his car in the service lane. I should have cut a promo the way the WWE would script one out for me. Why art thou parking like one's smelly orifice? I wish a thousand deaths upon thee. Then I could do a fucking tope and we could fade to commercial. Some monster sounds off. Since 2007, the Salamonster sounds off. Available at thesolomonster.com, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, iTunes, and more. Solo Monsters Sound Off.